0: Last week, we studied three chapters in the book of 1 Samuel. I want us to continue with 1 Samuel this week. We'll also do three chapters. So open your Bible to 1 Samuel, chapters 18, 19, and 20. And I want us to see from this portion of God's Word, God's protection of us, His people, in time of great distress. Obviously, I... We won't take the time to read all of 1 Samuel 18, 19, and 20. Let me just read some summary sections of this portion of God's Word to remind you of these great Bible stories that are here um, and what's going on. First of all, 1 Samuel 18, hear God's Word beginning at verse 6, 6 through 9. It happened as they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistine. Remember last week we looked at the story of David killing Goliath. So they're coming back from that battle. They returned from killing the Philistine, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy and with musical instruments. The women sang as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul became very angry, for this saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me they have ascribed thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? Saul looked at David with suspicion from that day on. Now look over at chapter 19. Verse 1, now Saul told Jonathan, his son, and all his servants to put David to death. But Jonathan, Saul's son, greatly delighted in David. And then chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, then Saul's anger burned against Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Do I not know that you are choosing the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Therefore now, send and bring him to me, for he must surely die. Well, you get the... uh, The gist of what's going on in these chapters by those uh, few verses. Uh, It is a time of deep, deep distress for David. He has already been told by Samuel that he will be the next king. He comes out of the battle of killing Goliath and people are excited about David. They're excited about uh, his ability to lead them. And Saul is infuriated, so Saul determines that he 's going to kill david that 's pretty intense stress um, and I want to see i want I want you to see how as intense as the stress became for David, God protected him every time over and over and over and many of us feel stress right now we feel like we 're under the stress of a pandemic. And many are scared. Many are a little apprehensive and wondering how it will all play out. And the message from God to us today is that He protects His people in just such times as these. Um, You might can think of some stories of God's protection. I remember Uh, Several caving stories. When I was in college, I I used to love exploring uh, caves. And uh, I was in this uh, cave that uh, trying to uh, explore it. And it was a huge uh, cave with three different levels and seven different waterfalls and uh, lots of places to do rock climbing. And as we uh, were going deeper and deeper into the cave, uh, a number of us had our own uh, repelling gear and ropes. And we came to this uh, cliff that where some sort of gear was going to be necessary because it was about a 20-foot cliff and drop. And so we were debating whether to use one of our ropes to tie it off in the cave because if we tied it off and went down the cliff, we weren't going to be able to get it back until we went up. And so we thought, well, you know, do we use it here or do we use it somewhere else? And as we were debating, we noticed an army strap. Somebody had already been in the cave prior to us, and they had tied off a rope at this cliff. Actually, it was, a, it was one of those webbed army straps. And we said, you know, usually that kind of webbing is, is extremely tough and durable, and somebody's obviously used it to go down this cliff. Why don't we use the army strap and save our ropes for later? Because there were other uh, places we would need them in the cave. So... Everybody pulled on the army strap. It seemed extremely secure, and uh, it was tied off well. So I was the guinea pig. I was going to go down first. And so imagine 20 foot. uh, So if you've got like a 10 foot ceiling in your home, imagine two of those. And I'm at the top of that, and I'm pulling back on the strap. And you want to get to a place where you're leaning back, but you're pushing your feet against the rock. And you're holding the, the, the strap. And as you do that, you can literally just walk down the rock if, you, if you've got the right angle. So as I was leaning back and pressing my feet into the rock, I start going down. And at some point, the strap is on the edge of the cliff. When it touches the edge of that cliff, it touched a very sharp spot. And it just snapped. And so I fall on my back. The remainder, probably 15 feet. And as I'm, uh, you know, it was just dead silence in the, the cave. Everybody wondering whether I was okay. And so they are screaming, are you okay? Are you okay? And I, I rolled over and said, I think, I think I'm okay. And then everyone above me said, whoa, look at that. And they were just all staring where I had fallen in astonishment. I said, what are you guys looking at? And they said, turn around and look where you fell. You see the imprint of your body in the dust of the cave. And you could see where my head had landed, my shoulders and my hips. And two inches beyond my head was this huge, sharp boulder. And two inches from where my hips were imprinted was another large, sharp boulder. And I had been positioned perfectly between those two rocks. And everyone was gripped with the unbelievable protection of God that if I had gone two inches one way or two inches another way, I would have been dead or paralyzed. God's glorious protection. When none of us thought that was even gone, going to happen. It was uh, in another event in the same cave, not the same night. Um, we were climbing a waterfall because obviously there's a hole at the top where the water's coming out. And we wanted to explore what was on the other side of that. And as I was climbing up the face of a waterfall, uh, there was a like an eight-foot section of The rock wall just started sliding. It's a rock slide sliding down. Obviously, that was the section I was holding on to, and there was nothing secure. Fell back into the water, and my buddies immediately saw blood in the water and said, You're bleeding somewhere. And I couldn't see it. Pulled off my shirt. It was just a little scratch. Again, I was just overwhelmed in that particular cave, how God sustained me and protected me. That was obviously lots of lessons to learn too, how to quit my foolishness and be more responsible. But over and over, there are examples in my life, I bet there in yours as well, of ways God has protected you when life could have turned out so much different and uh, much more painful. But we have had God's protection. The same kind of thing is happening today in the coronavirus pandemic. Yes, thousands of people have lost their lives in this pandemic, and that is sad. But I want us to go one step beyond that and focus a little bit on not just the thousands that have died, but the millions and millions and millions of us who have been protected. God is in charge both of the living and the dying. God is protecting millions of us, and if you go global, he's protected billions of us from this pandemic. Let us give some time, some thought to the protection of God during this coronavirus pandemic. I shared with you 2 Samuel 4 verse 9 when uh, last week. When you look at All the things God's doing to protect us. You get to the place of David in 2 Samuel 4 verse 9. Of proclamation and praise that God has delivered me from all my distress. I want us to see that deliverance includes God's protection of irresponsible people. Invisible uh, spirits and viruses. And uh, God's protection in Pandemic kind of problems. And we see that in 1 Samuel uh, chapters 18, 19, and 20. God redeems us from distress. Uh, just as God spared David from Goliath and the Philistines, He continues to protect him when people are commanded to kill him. Let's, let's look at God's protection of David from people. Uh, in this section of scripture, uh, we remember chapter 15 through 17, God providing for David and delivering him from Goliath. We come into chapter 18 with Saul and David returning from battle, walking back into the city of Jerusalem. And as they're coming, people are already celebrating, people are already uh, rejoicing in the victory that they have now over the Philistines. And the Philistines have been captured as slaves. Well, as they come back to town, uh, the women are singing a song. We don't know the tune. Uh, They're using various instruments, it says. Uh, But we do know the words. We know the words of this song. It's recorded for us. Chapter 18, verse 7. The words are, Saul has slain his thousands and David his Ten thousand. So this is a song you can sing in the streets. That's what they're doing. It's probably some sort of little rap tune of some sort going on. And the message is that David has killed 10 times as much as Saul. David's 10 times better than Saul is the message that Saul is getting out of this song. You know, I've wondered what this song is. Uh, sounded like, you know, probably went something like, like this. Saul has slain his thousands. That's a fact. But David has ten more times than that. He's a killing machine. Yeah. uh, uh. He's a killing machine. Yeah. 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 Saul has slain his thousands. That's a fact. David's killed ten times more than that. He's a killing machine. Yeah. 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 He's a killing machine. Yeah. 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 What a song. And it's a catchy tune and everybody's singing it and it infuriates Saul. Saul loves music. Saul has recruited David numerous times before to come to his palace and sing songs to soothe him. This is not a song that Saul likes at all. It attributes to David ten times the success that Saul has as kings it's on the top of the chart it's number one it's what everybody is listening to so the next time uh, david's in saul's presence playing you pick it up in chapter 18 verse 11 says saul hurled the spear for he thought i will pin david to the wall but david escaped from his presence twice all right so here we have david playing his harp in uh, Saul's presence, trying to soothe him with music. He's probably thinking about that new tune. Maybe he's trying to pick it out on his own heart. He's a killing machine, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a killing machine, yeah, yeah. And Saul says, enough! And he throws the spear. Enough of this! He tries to pin David to the wall. Tries to kill him. Tried several times that trick. And Saul, uh, David finally says, yeah, I'm not going to play for you anymore. You don't like me. W- this is not working out. David became very much aware of Saul's attempt to kill him. Um, there was several attempts. We won't read the other one. It's it's there in chapter 19. Uh, there were more attempts than that. In chapter uh, 18, beginning at verse 17, uh, Saul tells his army, knowing that David's one of his captains now, go out and kill the Philistines. Whoever goes out and kills the Philistines, I'll let you marry my daughter, my older daughter, Merib, verse 17. Well, uh, David goes out and he kills the Philistines that Saul wanted killed. Uh, When he comes back home, Saul gives his older daughter to somebody else instead of David. Didn't really want him to come into the family that way, but... It's like, well, wait. I thought you were promising her to me. So <clears throat> Saul comes up with another plan. This time he says he needs to David needs to be more intimate with the Philistines, so the Philistines end up killing David. So he tells David, "Go bring me a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, and I'll let you marry my, another one of my daughters, Michael." And so. David says, okay, good deal. He goes, and he doesn't bring back 100 foreskins of the Philistines. He brings back 200 foreskins of the Philistines and marries Saul's daughter, Michael. But the story is, these are ways Saul is trying to kill David because he doesn't like him, and he doesn't want David's success. So as David realizes that, he's been... uh, attempted by Saul himself to to destroy him with a spear. He realizes Saul is uh, sending him into into battles just to get him killed. So David leaves, chapter 19, verse 18. David fled and he escaped and he came to Samuel at Ramah and he told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Naoth, so David runs to the priest, he says, Saul's trying to kill me, and uh, is there some place we can hide out, and I can b- be with you in a place of safety? So Saul and Samuel are in Naoth, and when, excuse me, David and Samuel are in Naoth, and when Saul finds out about it, he says, go kill him." So Saul sends another group of men to Naoth to kill David. As they get there, a spirit from God comes over them. They start prophesying, and they don't succeed at killing David. They go back till Saul. Saul tries it with another group of men. It doesn't work. Saul tries it a third time. It doesn't work. Saul says, oh, man, if you want to do anything around here, you got to do it yourself. Just can't find good help these days. And so Saul goes himself to Naoth. And the spirit of prophecy came over him, and he could not succeed at killing David in Naoth either. Three times, Saul is sending people to kill David, groups of people to kill David, tries to kill him himself, and he can't kill him. It's starting to sound like a, a um, an episode of the cartoon, The Roadrunner, or the cartoon Tom and Jerry, you know how... Uh, in Roadrunner, the coyote is trying to kill the Roadrunner over and over and over. And no matter how many times, times he tries to do so, he never succeeds. And the same way with Tom and Jerry, the tomcat is always trying to kill the mouse. And no matter how many times or how many ways he tries, he cannot succeed. Now, why does God tell us all of this? Why couldn't Saul kill David? Saul was an experienced military man. He knew how to throw a spear. He had two intimate shots at David and missed them both. He sends three groups of his best men. They miss him. He goes himself again, misses him. He sends him into the most intimate battles, and no one can kill David. Why? The answer is in in the text. Look at chapter 18 Verse 12, now Saul was afraid of David, here's a key phrase, because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Verse 14, David was prospering in all his ways, key phrase again, because the Lord was with him. Key phrase again, verse 28, when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with him, With David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, then Saul was even more afraid of David. Key phrase: the Lord was with him. Because the Lord was with him, it didn't matter how many times you tried to kill him, you were not going to succeed. You can send yourself, you can send women, you can send Philistines, you can send the SWAT team, you can send in special forces, and David survives them all because the Lord was with him. We need to evaluate and think about our own life. Can can we be destroyed by evil ones if God wants to protect us? Can we be destroyed by the slanderous, by gossips? By a mother-in-law, by an angry husband, an angry wife, a child? Will any person you know be able to destroy us? If God is for us, will any irresponsible, contagious COVID-19 person be able to come against us? If God is for us, who can come against us? No one. God protects his people by being with us. It reminded me of a, a great friend of mine. We kept up for a long time after college. And uh, he actually attended our church for a while. He moved to Tacoma, And um, while he was in Tacoma Falls uh, area, he, he came up and uh, was with us for a while. His name was Terry Hammond. Terry Hammond went on a trip. Uh, One week to New York City. He just wanted to see the sights. It was a place he always wanted to visit. So he was up in New York and uh, while he was there uh, standing on a street corner trying to think about what he was going to do next, someone came up to him, He probably looked the part of a tourist, and stuck a knife right in his face and said, give me your wallet. And just startled by the whole experience, Terry just instinctively reached for his back pocket and um, where he kept his wallet, and for some reason, this particular day he didn't wasn 't his habit. he had put in his wallet uh, a little new testament Bible, and it was or it was right there in his back pocket, and as he reached back, he grabbed that and he realized what it was and so when he pulled it out, he put it right into the face of his thief, his robber uh his assailant, and he said This is what I have. It's the word of God and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And when the thief heard that, the spirit of God came on him and he ran like a scared rabbit. How did that even happen? Protection from God. God was with Terry. His spirit was with him. His word was with him. And it led to his safety. Um, God is with us. We are returning to corporate worship as a church, Lord willing. Next Sunday when we come back, will we be safe? Will we be protected? Sure. Because God protects His people. Are there infectious people lurking about? We suppose so. But God still protects His people. There are all sorts of evil people around David. Seeking to destroy him. And there are things and people seeking to destroy us. But we live with a God who loves us and protects his people. If God is for us, who can be against us? God protects us from irresponsible people. They may be near us, but God still protects us. God also protects us from Invisible spiritual powers. Uh, did you notice that in the text? Let me read a, a couple of places. Chapter 18, verse 10. It came about on the next day that an evil spirit from God came mightily upon Saul. Think a moment about this evil spirit. It's also found in chapter 19, chapter 19, verse 9. Now there was an evil spirit from the Lord on Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand. Uh, there are people who talk about the spirit world and there are lots of cults that talk about the spirit world. Uh, why did they succeed? Why did they have any uh, hearing? It's because it's real. The spiritual world is real. There are evil spirits and good spirits, and we need to be aware of the spirit world. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 2. Here's just a descriptive phrase of the world. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. Stop and think about that a minute. It says there's this spirit that's working in all non-believers, in sons of disobedience. Non-believers are walking in a certain way in the world because of this spiritual power from Satan himself causing them to walk in Disobedience. There are evil spiritual things all around us. We were all born into this spiritual dead state where we live in sin and love sin because that's our spirit uh, in us and talking to us at that moment. Uh, also in that book in Ephesians chapter 6, let me read verses 10 through 12. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. We certainly have seen a lot of that in the COVID-19 pandemic. That we are struggling, not with what we can see and feel, but what's invisible. There are viruses that are invisible to us. There are spiritual forces and powers that seem to come against us. God's aware of that. And God says, I got it. I can protect you from all of that as well. Uh, God's very much aware of the invisible, the creator, the visible, and the invisible. God's very much aware of Satan's activity in this invisible realm. Uh, remember again the story of Job. Think about God's protection of Job from the invisible. Look at uh, Job with me just briefly. Job chapter 1 as it describes uh, the scene of the invisible to us. For It's like it's very visible to God. Job chapter 1, beginning at verse 9, says, Satan answered the Lord. See, we don't ever hear any, uh, see any of that, That's this conversation between Satan and the Lord. Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Stop and think about that. Satan sees this invisible spirit hedge around Job it's not talking about a physical hedge but Satan is say, saying to, to the Lord He says, you're not letting me get close to Job you've, you've put a fence around him you're keeping me from harming Job I can see it, you can see it Job doesn't maybe see it but that's what's happening, verse 10 have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But if you put forth your hand now and touch all that he has, he will surely curse you to your face. Uh, And and then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. So Satan's really saying, Break down the fence, break down the hedge, let me out, Job, and I'll show you that Job's going to turn away from you. God says, okay, I'll I'll break down the hedge. I'll let you get closer to Job, but I'm not going to let you touch him. Again, you see God's protection. He has sometimes major protection, like putting a hedge around us. He has very particular protection. I'll let you get close. I'll let evil things get really close to them, but I still will not destroy them. I am their resurrection, their life. They will be preserved. They will be mine. Job was God's chosen vessel, and God was not going to let Job uh, go. He was going to protect him. So no matter what he allowed Satan to do, it was not going to destroy Job. All in the invisible realm, we sometimes think about it, we can't see it. Let me give you another quick verse on this invisible spiritual realm 1 John chapter 5, I love this verse, verse 18, says, We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. The same command that God gave Satan in Job 1, God promises us in 1 John five eighteen that he is not going to allow the evil one to, to touch us. So as to snatch us away from God. To destroy us. God protects his people. Uh, I'll give you one other uh, passage of protection. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. 2, Thess- 2, Thess- 2, Thess- 2 Thessalonians 3. The first three verses. says, Brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you. And that we will be rescued, so we want to be rescued, from the perverse and the evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. God is strong and able to protect us from all evil, even that evil that we cannot see. Uh, God protects us. Many times He uses spiritual guards and soldiers in this invisible realm. We call them angels to protect us and provide for us. We uh, are plagued by an invisible virus. But God's not. God knows and can see the invisible virus. He can see those spiritual forces who craft it and use it, and God knows how to come against them and to protect us. It reminded me of a great song uh, four Christians got together and wrote called Angels. Uh, It's an old song. It was written by Brown Bannister, Gary Chapman, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith. They all got together and uh, wrote this song, and then Amy Grant recorded it, on one of her albums back in the 80s. Let me just remind you of some of, of their words. It says this, God only knows the times my life was threatened just today. A, a reckless car ran out of gas before it ran my way. Near misses all around me, accidents unknown, though I never see with human eyes the hands that lead me home. I know they are all around me, all day and through the night. When the enemy is closing in, I know sometimes they fight. To keep my feet from falling, I'll never turn away. If you're asking what's protecting me, you're going to hear me say, God's got his angels watching over me. Every move I make, angels watching over me. Angels watching over me, every step I take, angels watching over me. God is all in that invisible world. He's got his warriors there to watch and to protect us. Regardless of what invisible attack is coming our way. God protects us from irresponsible people. Evil people. God protects us from invisible evil things that are coming towards us as well. Third, we see in this Samuel text that God protects us from the the intense problems that come when people and powers come against us. David had a real sticky problem um, with Saul because um, Saul had a son that he wanted to inherit the kingdom, his son Jonathan. And God is going to raise up David to be king and not Jonathan. Well, that's, that's an issue. Uh, look at chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. Then Saul's anger burned against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know you are choosing the son of Jesse to your own shame? Verse 31. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom will ever be established. Therefore now sin and bring him to me, for he must surely die. Now obviously the son of Jesse is, is David. And Saul realizes what's happening is Jonathan loves David. He loves him deeply. And if he loves him... Then he can't kill him. Saul wants Jonathan to kill David. That's not going to happen. God has handled the real sticky problem by putting a love in Jonathan's heart for David that surpasses his own passion and desire to be king himself. Uh, What a, a glorious thing how God has knit their souls together. Look at chapter 19. Let me read the first seven verses. Now Saul told Jonathan, his son, and all his servants to put David to death. But Jonathan, Saul's son, greatly delighted in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father is seeking to put you to death. Now, therefore, please be on guard in the morning and stay in a secret place and hide yourself. I'll go out and I'll stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak with my father about you. And if I find out anything, then I will tell you. And then Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Do not let the king sin against his servant David, since he has not sinned against you. And since his deeds have been very beneficial to you. For he took his life in his hand and struck the Philistine. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by putting David to death without a call? Cause Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan, and Saul vowed as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these words. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as formerly. So that's a great story of how Jonathan goes to bat for David and wins him a place back in the kingdom. Of course it doesn't last, but uh, you just begin to see how God is working through this sticky problem by putting a love for Jonathan and David, um, putting a love in their hearts for one another uh, to deal with all the issues that are, are, are going to naturally arise. Uh, skipping over to chapter 20, verse 42, Jonathan says to David, Go in safety inasmuch as we have sworn to each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord will be between me me. And you. And between my descendants and your descendants forever. So Jonathan David end up making a covenant. Says, okay, we realize there's two different camps. There's the Saul camp. He's always against you. And there's this other camp where we love each other. And we're God's people. That doesn't seem to go away. I have to serve in my dad's camp. And I also am serving in your camp. And that's not going to work. So let's make a covenant that no matter where we are, the Lord will always be between us. Because if the Lord is between us, He'll be between us to protect us, protect you and protect me. And that's exactly what happened. God continued to protect David. Um, you know, this was a tough situation. I'm sure David and Jonathan at times just, just said, I just don't understand this. Uh, just as we saw in chapter 19, uh, Jonathan trying to explain it to his dad says, "I just don't understand why you're against David. He does nothing but benefit you. It's 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 difficult to understand. It's it's a problem, and yet God works through that problems, that problem for them and protected them. Sometimes we only see the big things and we miss the little things. I remember being in a prayer meeting and a lady runs in." Uh, almost out of breath, and she says, just as we're starting, she says, i got to tell you something before we start. I was almost in a hit, just a a head-on collision, uh, and God protected me. It's just unbelievable. And somebody said, where were you? And they told the road that she was on, and somebody said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I travel that road every day. She says, let me tell you something more wonderful than what you're telling us, She says, more wonderful? I just escaped almost a near-death experience. She says, yeah, but see, I travel that same road. I've traveled that road a thousand times. And not once have I been close to death on that road. Why is that? Because a thousand times God has protected me. God doesn't just protect that problematic road one time. But he's done it a thousand times. And sometimes we miss the greater providence of God. That God protects us from all things. Why this story of protection when everybody was out to kill David under Saul's commands? Um, Is it not to remind us of God's way of protecting us? Let me give you two other great protection passages Psalm nineteen excuse me Psalm ninety one verse eleven Psalm ninety one verse eleven says for he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways God's got his angels and he's given them charge to guard us look over at Psalm 34 verse seven The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. So cool. God's angel, the angels of the Lord, encamp around those who fear him, and he rescues us. God really never gives us just one guardian angel. Some people have come up with that theory that we all have a guardian angel. The Psalms always talk about a multitude of angels. Always a sufficient number of angels encamping around us to protect us in all that's going on around us to deliver us. What a glorious God we have. If God is for us, who can be against us? Can we stop today and just adore God, love Him for the great protection He provides For us, He protects us from irresponsible people who might cough and sneeze and carry a contagious disease to us. He protects us from the invisible powers that are attempting to destroy us. He encamps armies of angels around us to take care of us. Next week, when we come to corporate worship again, face-to-face interaction. Can we count on the protection of God? Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. Because our God is a God who loves and delights in protecting His people. God wants to protect us. We can come with confidence. Now, if you don't have that confidence, perhaps you've never seen Christ as Savior, Redeemer from all your distress. And your need is to trust Christ. Christ, come into me that I might know you and see you for who you are, the one who redeems us out of all our distress. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your glorious protection. You protected David when a kingdom was against him. Lord, you protect us when a virus might be coming our way. Lord, these are small things for you. You've protected us from Satan himself, from the bondage of sin. You've protected us when people around us are irresponsible, when viruses are invisible, when pandemics are our problem. Lord, we love you. We depend upon you. We pause today to just adore and celebrate the love of God poured out upon us. You love us so much. You've given your own son for us to pay for our sins to give us a, a new resurrected life lord we rejoice that we are not destined for wrath we are destined for the resurrection glory given to us in christ praise you oh god bless us your people as we come together to worship you Again, next week, face to face. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.